The rise of motels along Chicago's landscape brought many things. Convenience, freedom, less expensive lodging than fancy hotels downtown. But in some areas, it also brought crime. Today we're talking about Chicago's seedy motel row. I'm Tommy Henry and this is the Chicago History Podcast. Boy, the following deals with a lot of horrible things, many of which may be triggering for some. This episode is not intended for delicate ears. Listener discretion is strongly advised. As early as 1695, the route we now call Lincoln Avenue was a trail used by explorers Marquette and Joliet. In the 1880s, it had one of Chicago's early streetcar lines. While Chicago held the first automobile race back in 1895, car ownership didn't catch on right away. Five years after the race, only one out of every 10,000 Chicago residents owned an automobile. In 1910, the first Chamber of Commerce was established for Lincoln Avenue. After a more significant streetcar line was established, businesses began to develop along the route. Lincoln Avenue, formerly Little Fort, was then a major access route into Chicago from the north. During the 1920s, ownership of automobiles increased, which made it possible for the city's suburbs to expand away from the railroad-oriented cores, which in turn increased dependence on the automobile in the suburbs. By 1930, Chicago statistics reflected one car for every eight inhabitants. In 1950, there were 25 million registered automobiles in the U.S. By 1958, there were 67 million registered autos. Car culture was explosive in the 1950s, and new types of businesses were popping up to appeal to that decade's car-loving public, including drive-in and drive-through restaurants and drive-in movie theaters. If you want to hear more about the history of Chicago's drive-in theaters, check out episode 115 of this podcast. Here's something I discovered, or maybe rediscovered, while researching this episode. Lincoln Avenue, north of Foster Avenue, which is 5200 North, is part of U.S. Highway 41. Okay? The bonkers thing is that U.S. 41 runs from Miami, Florida, to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, for a whopping 2,008 miles. You can still travel that entire route if you are so inclined. Back in September of 1951, a motorcade of 55 people in 25 cars representing the U.S. 41 Highway Association did that very thing, traveling from Miami to Copper Harbor, Michigan, to promote use of the route by winter vacationists. Their hope was that it would bring areas along the route some tourist business. Further fueling the car craze of the 1950s, the Dwight D. Eisenhower National System of Interstate and Defense Highways was expanded beginning in 1955 with wider multi-lane highways that allowed for increased speeds and more vehicles. Now that people had cars and expressways to get them from city to city, 
They just needed places to stay once they arrived at their destination. Places like motels. In 1953, zoning laws first began allowing motels within the city limits, and one place developers saw potential was along U.S. 41, North Lincoln Avenue, between Foster Avenue and Devon. Four years later, owners of six of the newly built motels on North Lincoln Avenue formed the Lincoln Avenue Motel Association. Maury Corngold, representing the Rio Motel at 6080 North Lincoln, said the association promoted the idea that motels may be an asset to the neighborhood. Other members included representatives of the Acres Motel at 5600 North Lincoln Avenue, the Stars Motel at 6101 North Lincoln, the Patio Motel at 6250 North the Oh My at 5550 North, and the Villa Motel at 6200 North Lincoln. Corngold claimed the motel owners encountered some opposition before the properties were built from area residents who thought the motels might present a moral problem, but they have been well received since. By 1960, motels were going up left and right around Chicago, accounting for more construction than any other commercial enterprise in the city. Between January of 1959 and August of 1960, 39 motels had been announced locally, which brought the metropolitan total to more than 150, 30 of which were in Chicago proper. Now, it wasn't just on the north side where motels had become popular. Cicero Avenue on the city's southwest side saw the construction of 18 motels in the late 1950s between 127th Street and 131st Street, not far from Midway Airport. When explaining the appeal of the motels on Cicero Avenue, Mrs. John P. Smith, owner and manager of what was then the Algiers Motel at 8507 South Cicero, was quoted in August of 1960 as saying, quote, It's more convenient and cheaper for them to stay here than in the loop. We now have restaurants that compare favorably with those downtown, and our customers say the atmosphere is more friendly, end quote. In the same Tribune piece, Paul Dunning, Director of Commercial Development for the Association of Commerce, explained the motel boom around Chicago was due to a few reasons. Number one, conventions. At the time, Chicago was averaging 20 conventions a week, with one of the biggest being the Machine Tool Show with 100,000 attendees. Number two, air traffic. One out of every four air passengers stopped in Chicago the previous year. Number three, McCormick Place. The new McCormick Place Convention Hall would open in November of that year, and hopes were high that it would attract a whole new audience to Chicago. Number four, new expressways and toll roads, which would make it easier for people to visit the greatest city in the world. Now, I added the greatest city in the world part, but I'm sure Paul Dunning was thinking of it 60-plus years ago. Here's the part I really enjoyed. Sidney H. Morris, designer of the Villa Moderne in Skokie, predicted in 1960 that motels of the future would keep pace with the times. Morris was confident that 
reservations would be made by radio transmitter in the moving car and guests would get a look at their accommodations in advance by television. Bathrooms will contain therapy tubs for the weary traveler. Furniture will include a vibrating chair or couch. While the guest sleeps, ultrasonic devices built into the closet will dry clean clothes for a fresh start in the morning. Listen, all of you can keep your hoverboards. I want a closet that uses ultrasonic devices to dry clean my clothes. The future! Not everyone was bullish on the motel boom of the late 1950s, early 60s. William J. Wilson, executive vice president of the Greater Chicago Hotel Association, said in 1960, quote, There is an overbuilding of motels. One of these days, the motels are going to have the same financial problems as Miami Beach, which can't get enough people to fill its rows of empty rooms. It could happen here in a few years, end quote. When the Edens and the Northwest Expressway, later renamed the Kennedy Expressway, opened in 1951 and 1960, respectively, US-41 North began to lose drivers. Travelers now had newer, shinier, more efficient routes into and around the city. All those new motels were already working at a disadvantage. One of the earliest reports I found of trouble along Lincoln Avenue's Motel Row was a murder that occurred at the Oh My Motel, 5611 North Lincoln, in April of 1969. Harold Chandler, 50, a traveling magazine sales supervisor from Madison, Tennessee, was found dead in his bed with a bullet hole behind his left ear. Reports of gambling operations along Lincoln Avenue's now seedy Motel Row began to hit newspapers in the 1970s. The area also saw an increase in prostitution as well as drug activity. It likely didn't help the community's perception of the businesses that some motels offered one-hour room rates. In March of 1981, a man named Orlando Atencia traveled from Miami to Chicago on a one-way ticket. Upon arriving, Atencia met up with two men, and all three checked into room 236 at the Spa Motel on North Lincoln Avenue. The next day, agents from the Federal Drug Enforcement Agency and Chicago Police Department detectives were conducting surveillance on the Belmont Bowl bowling alley, once located at 1637 West Belmont. The agent saw Orlando Atencia and another man enter the alley of the bowling alley around 8 p.m. Two hours later, the men left in a car heading north. Agents followed the men to the spa motel and continued their surveillance. Based on an informant's tip, a search warrant for room 236 was issued and executed by Chicago police and the DEA. Upon entering room 236 with a passkey, the officers discovered Atencia standing only in his underwear and socks, pointing a gun at them. Atencia wisely dropped his gun when ordered to and was taken into custody. A search of the room turned up $26,900 in cash and plastic bags containing six 
kilos of cocaine, which had a street value of $2 million. Atencio was convicted of possession of cocaine with intent to deliver and was sentenced to 18 years. On Sunday, June 21st, 1981, a 45-year-old man, his wife, and their four children, ages 16, 10, 5, and 2, were staying in a ground-floor room at the Patio Motel. A sign outside claimed, an adventure in living. The man was an unemployed carpet layer, and the family had been experiencing housing insecurity. They had heard about troubles in the area, so, as a precaution, moved a large dresser against the motel room door. As it was a hot night, they decided to leave the window to the motel open to allow for some cooler air to circulate. Around 2.30 a.m., while the family slept, a man quietly used a wire cutter to cut through the screen and gain access to the room. Pointing a gun in the face of the father of four, the prowler told him to, quote, keep cool. In addition to the gun, the intruder carried handcuffs, a knife, and a roll of duct tape. Forcing the father to roll over on his stomach, the assailant cuffed his hands behind him and then forced the father and the three younger children into the bathroom. He then tied the father's ankles with the tape and had the three kids get into the bathtub. Before closing the door, the robber turned on the faucet in the sink, creating enough noise to block out the sounds of what was about to transpire. The intruder returned to the main room and raped the 34-year-old mother before later raping the 16-year-old girl. He also forced them to perform, as the Tribune reported, a deviant sexual act. According to the father, during the attacks, the gunman, quote, apologized. He said he was sorry. Once the intruder left, the family called the police and the 16-year-old and her mother were treated at nearby Swedish Covenant Hospital. This attack was the latest in a series of ones that occurred at Lincoln Avenue motels that had begun in February of that year at the Diplomat Motel. Two more attacks were reported at the Villa Motel, less than a mile north. Three attacks occurred at the Spa Motel and one at the Apache Motel. Eight incidents, all within four months, all within a mile of each other, all at seedy Lincoln Avenue motels. After the shocking attack on the family at the Patio Motel, extensive publicity led to a tip, and by Tuesday of that week, Chicago police had in custody a 22-year-old factory worker named Timothy Mabe. Mabe later pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 36 years in prison. Three weeks later, Chicago Tribune ran a story titled, Lincoln Avenue Strangers, A Menace with quotes from neighborhood residents about the troubles in the neighborhood, which many attributed to the motels. One resident, identified as Mrs. G, who lived behind the Oh My Motel, claimed the motels had never been entirely free of shady business. But in the last two or three years, the prostitutes and pimps had become much more brazen. With the increase in prostitutes, according to one resident, came, quote, all the degenerates. 
A flasher exposed himself twice to a 10-year-old girl. A man and a sex worker were seen having sex in a clump of bushes by a shopping center. And Mrs. G had been propositioned while waiting for a bus. This being before cell phones and while citizens banned radios were still popular, one neighborhood resident heard truck drivers talking over their CB radios about the, quote, hot action, end quote, at a Lincoln Avenue motel. Oh, I should mention, the resident heard this discussion while listening to his CB radio while driving in Wisconsin. Residents frustrated that officials had not done more to combat the problems also seemed to understand that the police had their hands tied. Police Commander Howard Patinkin of the 20th District said motel owners cannot legally refuse to give a room to anyone willing to register, just like the police cannot pick up a woman for walking down the street. Someone must do something overt before they could be charged with disorderly conduct, which carried a $35 bond. The article contained an update on the family terrorized by Timothy Mabe, a good Samaritan, in the suburbs read about the family's plight and offered them a four-bedroom house in exchange for work on the property at first, then rent based on what they could afford. Even when bad stuff wasn't necessarily happening at the seedy motels along Lincoln Avenue, people with bad intentions often stayed at the motels. In April of 1984, two men staying at the Diplomat Motel, 5230 North Lincoln Avenue, had a plan. Martin Staub, 52, from Evansville, Indiana, and Richard Miller, 55, from River Grove, Illinois, were planning to travel to southwest suburban Illinois on Palm Sunday and rob the post office there. They had it all worked out. The post office was closed to the public, so only a few female employees would be working. The men would time it so that the local police were at the station during shift change, and the streets wouldn't be as busy as most of the area residents would be at church. The two men planning this would drive out from Chicago with their two accomplices and gain entry through the back door of the post office. After tying up and blindfolding the post office employees, they would take a blowtorch to the safe, then escape to the abandoned Aurora Airport Strip, where a private plane would be waiting to take them to Chicago's Midway Airport, where they would split their haul. They estimated the robbery could net them a quarter of a million dollars in stamps, money orders, and registered mail, more than $700,000 in today's value. It was so well-planned, it should have worked, except for one thing. The two accomplices were undercover police officers. The morning the robbery was to take place, police surrounded the Diplomat Motel, and after a brief altercation in which the men tried to flee and a gunshot was fired, the would-be robbers were arrested. Where are you staying when you come to town, Bob? Uh, the, uh, Diplomat Motel? Ah, uh, the place where the cops just had the shootout with some guys planning to rob the Aurora Post Office? Let me know if they have color TVs in their rooms. Nineteen eighty-five saw the killing of the manager of the Acres Motel during a robbery that netted the killer eighty dollars and a roll of quarters. 
That year also included the arrest of a 50-something-year-old Highland Park businessman who routinely picked up young boys from the uptown neighborhood and took them to the spa motel for sex. A cab driver staying at the Acres Motel in 1986 was charged with shooting a passenger of another car in the chest during a shouting match. Police found a pair of bank robbery suspects at the Diplomat Motel in 1990, along with $3,000 they allegedly stole. A zoning ordinance was passed in 1995 by Chicago City Council that stated if any motels were closed for one year, they would not be allowed to reopen. After years of issues with motels along North Lincoln Avenue, then-Mayor Richard M. Daley held a news conference in April of 1998 in front of the Spa Motel. With 40th Ward Alderman Patrick O'Connor nearby, the mayor declared the city's intention to transform Lincoln Avenue's CD Motel Row, starting with the Spa. The Acres Motel at 5600 North and the Riverside Motel just off the street at 5954 North Virginia Avenue would soon follow. All three would be purchased by the city under the laws of eminent domain. Quote, it's not a secret that today this avenue and those motels have a bad reputation, said the mayor. We know that these historically have been houses of prostitution and drug sales. Backing up the mayor's claims, statistics from the Chicago Police Department in 2002 showed the police were called to the Lincoln Avenue motels over 3,000 times during the years between 1995 and 2001, and those calls resulted in almost 1,000 arrests for a variety of offenses. I know I've talked a lot about the bad things that happened along Motel Row. While you may wonder why anyone would want to find a room there, for many, the motels offered a place to stay when those in need couldn't find anywhere else, especially for those who stayed at motels for weeks, months, and even years. In October of 2000, Tribune writer Don Turner-Rice talked with 66-year-old Richard Gain, who had lived at the Acres Motel for six years. Gain had gotten good at living in his small room, and said he chose to live at the Acres Motel because there was a Walgreens across the street and a chop suey place down the block. While the monthly rents at the motels weren't much cheaper than renting a one-bedroom place in the area, many long-term residents didn't have good credit or the means to put down a security deposit at an apartment building. Michigan-based Long Haul Productions interviewed a number of long-term residents of the Lincoln Avenue Motels in 2000, and put together a wonderful 11-minute audio piece that I will have a link to in the show's notes. One interview subject in the long-haul story emphasized, quote, Hey, I'm just a plain, ordinary, blue-collar working man who needs a place to stay at the present time. Everybody who uses a motel up and down Lincoln Avenue is not a junkie, is not a prostitute, is not chasing up and down trying to be a transient in and out of the place. So, I mean, they do serve a purpose. At the same point in time, everybody cannot live on the Gold Coast. In May of 2002, the city sent out requests for development proposals for seven lots along Lincoln Avenue in use by eight motels. 
On the list was the Oh My Motel on Lincoln and the Guest House Motel on Bryn Mawr. And as they both were essentially next to each other, they would be redeveloped as one lot. Of the nine proposals city officials received, two were chosen in March of 2003 as designated developers. One Skokie-based developer planned to build 11 2,200-square-foot townhouses and a community center that would include a Talmudic research facility, classrooms, and conference facilities at the 31-room patio motel site at 6250 North Lincoln. A Glenview-based developer planned to build two five-story residential buildings, each with 32 condominiums. This new project would be called Lincoln Point Condominiums and be built on the site of the 35-room Lincoln Motel at 5900 North Lincoln Avenue and the Schiller Restaurant just to the north of the Lincoln. What the city and these developers had not anticipated was the pushback they received from the motel owners and critics of the plan who felt motels were being unfairly singled out. Back in 1999, the city council had approved the Lincoln Avenue TIF, or Tax Increment Financing, district designation. This designation gave officials four years to condemn and acquire 14 motels along Lincoln Avenue between Foster to the south and Devon to the north using the city's power of eminent domain. Those four years expired in November of 2003, with only three motel properties replaced. Owners of two properties, the Acres Motel and the Riverside, went through the entire condemnation trial process. The court deemed that the valuation process should pay the motel owner on a per-room basis, not on per-square-foot-of-land the owners were to be paid $35,000 to $40,000 per room, meaning a 35-room motel could be paid as much as $1.4 million for the property. One owner reportedly admitted it would likely cost about $500,000 to renovate his motel to meet the standards of a Motel 6, so this buyout seemed like a solid option. Of course, this new way of setting value to the motel properties meant all the remaining properties went up in value. The Spa Motel was demolished in 2000 and replaced by the 20th District Police Station, an irony not lost on longtime residents of the area. The Acres Motel at 5600 North Lincoln was replaced with the Budlong Woods Public Library. And the Riverside Motel was demolished in 1999 with that land converted into a new entrance to Legion Park on the southwest corner of Lincoln and Peterson. The Lincoln Motel at 5900 North Lincoln was condemned and demolished by the city in 2007 after a four-year court fight as this also coincided with the recession and downturn in new properties being built, the second half of the Lincoln Point condominiums was never finished. The lot currently hosts a community garden. There was talk of building a five-story retail residential building on the site of the old Stars Motel spot at Lincoln and Jersey called Village Center, but the mortgage crisis and downturn in the economy in 2008 scrap those plans. The address currently has a one-story building with a daycare center. 
Other than the stars, the spa, acres, and the riverside, none of the other motels were grabbed up using eminent domain. Many of the remaining motels have changed their names over the past 20 years or so. The Tip Top is now the River Park Motel and Suites. The Rio at Lincoln and Jersey is now a roadway inn. The Villa Motel spent time as the Lincoln Motel before it too became a roadway inn motel less than a half mile from the other roadway. The Patio Motel is now the North Park Inn, and the Omai and Guest House were never leveled and rebuilt as one property, and both continue to operate today. The area is certainly much different than it was during the days when the motels along the route were super sketchy. New owners that have made efforts to change the perception of the properties along Motel Row certainly have made a huge difference. Still, bad stuff can happen anywhere, much like it did in April of 2020, when two men got into an argument at 8.20 p.m. and shots were fired, leaving a 40-year-old man dead in the parking lot of the Oh My Motel. Chicago doesn't need more bad press, so I'll try to remain optimistic that there won't be any future issues along the route of what was once Chicago's seedy Motel Row. Thanks for listening to today's story about Chicago's CD Motel Row. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by me, Tommy Henry. As always, if you have any questions about anything covered today, anything to add or have an idea for a future episode, I'd love to hear about it. Feel free to send me an email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. I have links to items related to Chicago's amazing history in the show's notes if you or someone you know is a history nerd like me who would like to learn more. Anything ordered through those links, not just the items listed, may earn a small commission for the podcast and help offset production costs at no additional cost to you. Check out the Chicago History Podcast Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages for articles and pictures related to this episode and past episodes posted throughout the week. The original art for the Chicago History Podcast used on the social media pages was created by John K. Schneider. Thank you, John. He can be found at JKS on Instagram or via email at angelizeartjks at gmail.com. I will be back soon with more stories from Chicago's history. Until then, get out and explore when possible. Learn more about whatever city you live in and stay safe.